allow me at this session to just briefly take us not to the reading today, um, not to the reading today, but just to a portion of scripture that is very relevant to us um, for today. Matthew chapter 21, verse 6. Um, Matthew chapter 21, verse 6 to 11. To 11. And I'll be reading from the ESV version. <clears throat> I don't know if you have, just as, as, we, as we are reading, if you can find... Uh, uh, I don't know if you're able to get a, a palm branch like I do, but if you're not able, you can get just uh, a handkerchief or, or a piece of cloth to commemorate this wonderful occasion. Um, so I begin reading. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks. And he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I repeat that. They shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Allow me to just engage us if you have your cloth with you. Allow me to allow us to just go back to, 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 verse, to verse 9, where the people are shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. And let's just engage as you wave, as you wave either your branches, those of us who are here, if you have some branches, um, those of us who are at home as well, if you have a few branches or, or, or a cloth. So one, two, three, go. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Again, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And we bless the Lord for his wonderful coming. Allow me to invite us to turn to God's word this morning. Our reading will be coming from the book of Psalm, chapter 22, from verse 1 to 18. Uh, Psalm 22, from verse 1 to 18. I'll read from the ESV version. <clears throat> My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm, not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who seek me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from from birth, from my birth. 
and from my mother's womb have you been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and, and there, is no, there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open their wide mouths at me, like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. And that is God's word for us this morning. Kindly let us pray for our speaker. Our Lord and Savior Jesus, we are grateful for the privilege of hearing from your word. Won't you anoint Elder Kakui to be in your hands what this microphone is in mine, an instrument to reverberate the very heart of God to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Karibu sana, Pastor Kakui. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Koti, for leading us so powerfully this morning. We bless the Lord for you and for the ministry that you're doing here. Um, welcome to today's service. Uh, Today I was uh, scheduled to speak in NBC Kitengela, but because of the lockdown, I am speaking from NBC Rongai. So NBC Rongai, you are welcome today to join NBC Kitengela, but because I'm in Rongai, Kitengela, you are welcome also. So all of us are welcome as a family of NBC. Today is Palm Sunday, and so we remember when Jesus got into Jerusalem um, for the last time as he went to the cross. And so today's sermon is related to those events. As I was uh, preparing for this sermon, I remembered that in the year 2006, I resigned from my job and went to theological school. There were a number of reasons why I did that. The standard one and the most acceptable one that looks good and presentable is that I felt the Lord leading me to do so, a call from the Lord. But there are other reasons. Some of those reasons are that I personally had many questions, some very basic and some quite complicated, about the Christian faith. For example, looking around, I saw that there were several religious books, the Bible, the Quran, and among many others. How sure was I that the Bible is the true word of God and not the Quran, for example, that it is inspired of God? And so for me, I wanted to see something that was beyond human others. I wanted to see the involvement of God in the biblical text. While there are many proofs that the Bible for sure is the word of God, the text that we read today, Psalms 22, answers some of my questions. Now, Psalm 22 has been named the Psalm of the Cross by many people, 
It talks about Jesus on the cross. And the reason why I think it answers me as a proof that the Bible is God's word is that this psalm was written by David over 1,000 years before Jesus, yet it was talking about Jesus. When you will be seeing down there as we talk and speak today, as we share today, you will be seeing that it is an amazingly accurate record of the suffering of Jesus as he went to the cross and on the cross at Calvary. Well, the point when David wrote this psalm, crucifixion had not been invented. Israel did not know about crucifixion at all until over six year, 600 years down the line. And so David writes about a method of killing people that was not present during his time that would come 600 years later. And the question we would have today is, how would David do that? And we know the answer that David was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write and prophesy about these things. About three, three, or three years ago in Kenya, we got uh, the first PET scan machine. Now, this is a, a machine that I'm told if somebody goes into, that machine shows very clearly up to the cell level what is happening in you. It has been used greatly to diagnose cancer. And for me, I think Psalm 22 is like a PET scan. It describes in great detail and precision the suffering and the agony that Jesus went through. In fact, many scholars say that the detail in Psalm 22 surpasses the detail in the gospel when we come to the suffering of Jesus. It's like Psalm 22 opens to us the body of Jesus, the thoughts that Jesus was having, as well as the inner life, what was happening totally inside of him when he was on the cross. But one of the challenges that we face is that this psalm is titled a psalm of David. And so the question is, is a psalm of David a prophecy? Was David even a prophet in the first place? Other people ask, is this psalm telling us about something that was happening in David's life? So that we do not fall into the error of misinterpreting scripture. Well, we do not see anywhere in the life of David the type of agony that is described in this text. This text is talking about an execution, somebody being killed and being executed. We do not see that happening anywhere in the life of David. But the, to answer the question whether David was a prophet, you remember in the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 30, when Peter stands to speak to the Jews on the day of Pentecost. He says, David, being a prophet, knew these things. And he was speaking to a Jewish audience, which means 
they understood and saw David as a prophet. And so it is safe for us to see David as a prophet. And so to answer the question, really, is this a prophecy? Yes, we know it is a prophecy because this text of Psalm 22 is quoted seven times in the New Testament. It is quoted seven times in the New Testament in connection with Jesus. Let me just give you one of the examples when the text of Psalm 22 is quoted in the Bible. The Bible says in John chapter 19, 23 to 24, this is John giving an account of what was happening to Jesus. It says that the soldiers shared Jesus' outer garments by dividing them into four parts. And then they got to the tunic, and because it was seamless, they cast lots. And John puts a very important statement here and says, this happened so that scripture may be fulfilled. And then he goes ahead and quotes the scripture which is being fulfilled, and he says, the scripture is that they divided my outer garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. In other words, John is saying there is a certain prophecy in the Old Testament that is getting fulfilled today. And that very prophecy is Psalms 22 verse 8. And so we know we are not the only people today looking at this as a prophecy. The New Testament authors saw this as a prophecy. Now, Psalm 22 is a long psalm. It starts with verse 1 to 31. And because of time now, we will not go deep like verse by verse. Um, and when we look at it, it's actually divided into two very distinct portions. The first portion is verse 1 to 21, which talks about the agony and the torture of Jesus at the cross. And then, 22 to 31, which talks about the accomplishment, the victory at the cross. But because of time, we will just look at the first part of that psalm, Psalm verse, uh, 22, 1 to 21. Remember, when we are looking at the psalm, we are looking clearly at the events that happened to Jesus Christ. And so I have titled the text, The Torment of the Cross. The Torment of the Cross. And so here between verse 1 and 21, we see three things that we will just quickly jump into. And the Lord helping us, we will just look a little into them. The first one is the torment of abandonment by God. Jesus was tormented by the fact that he was abandoned by God. The second one is the torment of the flame of despise. Jesus was tormented by the way people despised him, the way they talked about him, the way they looked at him. And thirdly, the torment in the flame of drowning physical pain. Jesus at the cross was in great agony and physical pain. 
Let's jump into the torment in the flame of abandonment. If you listen and look at verse 1, it starts by saying, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? I groan in prayer, but your help seems far away. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? When we do Bible translation, in most cases, we start by translating the New Testament. And so if you belong to one of these communities who have received the New Testament and not the Old Testament, and then all of a sudden the New Testament, the Old Testament is brought to you, and read this verse, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? All of a sudden, that will wake you up. Where did I hear that? Where did I hear that verse? And you will realize that was the fourth cry of Jesus at the cross. You remember his first cry was, Father, forgive them that they do not know what they are doing. And the second word was that, I will be with you talking to the thief in paradise today. The third was a woman, behold your son, and to, uh, to, to the disciple was John. He said, uh, your mother, see your mother. In other words, take care of your mother. But the fourth statement is this cry. Matthew 27, 46 says, about three in the afternoon, remember Jesus was crucified in the morning, nine. For three hours there was light, and for three hours there was darkness all over the land. After that darkness, about three in the afternoon, the Lord cried in a loud voice. Notice the words that I used here. The Lord did not just speak. He cried, and he did not just cry. He cried in a loud voice. And so I agree with the way Pastor Cote has read those words. It was like, Eli! Eli! You know, it was a cry of agony. Notice that Jesus had been silent all through. This in fulfillment of the words of Isaiah, like a sheep before his shearers is silent, he was silent. But now he groans, he roars, he cries aloud because the torment is high. This is a cry of abandonment, a cry of desertion. He has been left. Something else you want to notice in the words of that cry, he says, my God, my God. If you have read through the Gospels, Jesus never called his father, my God. He always referred to him as my father. Even on the cross, remember, he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. But at this point, Jesus calls God, God. You know, I am married to a great and beautiful wife. But sometimes we do have arguments. 
And when we have those arguments, sometimes it is possible to hear me call my wife by her name. Or she can call me Shadrach. And if she calls me so, I know there is a problem. I know there is a separation that is happening. But that is the thing that Jesus is feeling now. He is feeling that separation with the Father. He's calling him my God. There's already a relationship gap. So remember, this is the torment in the flame of abandonment by God. If you look at verse 2, it says, My God, I cry out during the day, but you do not answer me. And during the night, my prayers do not let up. Jesus was hanging on the cross when there was light and when there was darkness. A complete, total fulfillment of this prophecy here. When I was reading that text, that Jesus says, during the day and during the night I suffer, but you do not hear me. I could not help but remember Revelation 20, where the Bible says, the devil and his followers and death will be thrown in the lake of fire, where they will be tormented day and night in abandonment by God. But maybe we might have a few questions, and I have three specific questions about this abandonment. The first one is this. We know that the disciples abandoned Jesus. That one we know. They fled away, they ran away. So Jesus was all alone. But the question is, is it true that God abandoned Jesus? We know the Bible says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I will never abandon you. Is it true that God abandoned Jesus? And the answer is yes. It is true that God on the cross looked the other way. And Jesus suffered profusely on the cross. Because it is our sins that separate us from God. And that leads us to the second question. Why was God abandoning his son? Well, if you look at the beginning of verse 3, it says, you are holy. God is holy and he has no fellowship with sin. At this point, the sin of the whole world was carried by Jesus. And so God abandoned Jesus so that we would be reconciled to him, so that we would enjoy salvation. He made him own, you know, sin to be seen, so that we become the righteousness of God. When you go to the Old Testament, if somebody sinned, this is what they did. They brought a goat or a sheep, and then they laid their hands on top of the head of that goat or sheep. Once they did that, the goat was killed without mercy, and it was not funny. It was losing its life. If it was not killed, the person would not be forgiven. And Jesus is hanging on the cross for our sins. If he was not abandoned by God, 
our sins would not be forgiven today. And by the way, it is not easy dying on the cross. No wonder Jesus is crying like that. I have not met somebody who was crucified, but I have met somebody who tried to take their life by hanging themselves. And so he used to walk around telling the story, and it used to go like this. You know, uh, I wanted to go to God, that he would say like that. I'm not sure he was going to God by killing himself. But he would say, I was going to go to God. Then one day he gave the story to me, he told me, that path which I used going to God, there was a certain corner that I came back from. If I took that corner, I would have seen God. That means people cut him when he was uh, throwing his legs, you know, about to die. And he tells me, the people who go to God, in quotes, Using that road that I was using, kama wanapita iyo roundabout in Rudia, hawa tuniwakali. Because it is tough to take your life by suffocation. Now, Jesus was going through a very hard time, and quickly we will be going through that. The last question, the third question, is, is God in the habit of abandoning his people? And the answer to that question is no, never. God can discipline you, he can punish you, but he can never abandon you. There is a fourth question, but I will spare that for a moment as we jump into the next portion of this text and we'll come back to that fourth question. So Jesus is tormented by the abandonment of God is being abandoned, so that flame of abandonment torments him. Secondly, Jesus is despised and disrespected by men. The suffering and torture of Jesus became even worse because of the people who were surrounding him there. If you are beaten by a snake, that's one problem. But if the snake stays there and watches you die, that's another bigger problem. If you look at verse 6, the text of Psalm 22 says, People insult me and despise me. All who see me taunt me and shake their heads. And that matches exactly what Matthew writes in Matthew 27, 29. It says, those who passed by held insults at him, shaking their heads. And verse 8 uh, says, They say, commit yourself to the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let the Lord deliver you. And that is fulfilled exactly in Matthew 27, 43. The teachers of the law, the chief priests and the elders mocked Jesus, saying, He trusts in God. Let God rescue him if he wants him. It is no wonder in verse 6, the text says, the victim speaking, I am a worm, not a man, the lowest of creatures. Last way in verse 18, that Jesus is ashamed before men. In verse 18, 
says, they are dividing up my clothes among them. They are rolling dice for my garment. It is nakedness and shame. I have seen pictures of Jesus being crucified and Jesus is covered. No, Jesus was crucified naked, totally naked, before the mother, before everybody else for our sake. So, yes, Jesus is tormented by the flame of abandonment, is tormented by the flame of despise, but is also tormented by the flame of drowning physical pain. Jesus was physically drained, distressed, and tormented. He was under immense pain at the cross, just the way the the, the psalmist prophesied. In verse 14 of this psalm, it says, My strength drains away like water. Jesus was distressed in the way he was sweating. You could see it. No wonder in Luke 22, 44, when Jesus was praying at the Garden of Gethsemane, his, his sweat was like blood. And on the cross, we know Jesus was sweating because he was totally exhausted. He was totally overwhelmed. And of course, because his heart was beating very fast, because he was getting suffocated. In verse 15, it says, The roof of my mouth is as dry as a piece of pottery. Well, that reflects is that Jesus was thirsty. He was totally thirsty. And you know, one way you can be tormented is somebody can just decide not to give you water. And you, it's tormenting to lack water. If you remember the words of Jesus in John chapter 19, 28, when he hung on the cross, he said, I thirst. And then verse 16 It says, they pin my hands and feet. That is why we are saying this text is not about David. There is nowhere we see David being pinned, his hands and feet. Nowhere. Here is the description of crucifixion. They pin my hands and feet. And just to let you know, crucifixion was the most horrific brutal, slow way of killing people. It was preserved for the worst criminals. I don't know who those are today. In my village, we have a concept of one who waylays people, waits people and kills them with mercy. For such, crucifixion was preserved. What happened during crucifixion was that your arms... And your legs had nails driven through them, just around the wrist here, not on the palm, because that would mean that they would tear down around the wrist, which is very, very painful. And when that piece of wood was made to stand like that, the biggest challenge was how you would support yourself. That meant you needed to support yourself with the thigh muscles 
and the muscles of the legs, the calves, that the lawyers call Maskwembe, um, right? Yeah, those ones down here. Now remember, Jesus at this point is totally exhausted. Since yesternight when he was betrayed by, by, by Judas, he has not slept. Now he is hanging on the cross, pinned there like this, really, really fatigued. And so, immediately, not long after that, your muscles would get tired. You know, you cannot stand on your feet for long. And so you would have to support yourself using your feet that are already um, pinned on the cross. For after a short time, you would totally get exhausted and your body would slump down. It would come down. The weight would come down. Remember, you are on a cross. You are not on the ground. By your body coming down, your shoulders got dislocated immediately. Next, where the joints of the elbow, they got dislocated. And next, where the joints right around the wrists. It is no wonder, when you look at verse 14 of this text, it says, all my bones are dislocated. And verse 17, it says, I can count all my bones. Now, you can ask, why did the New Testament authors not write about this type of suffering? Because any Jew who saw or heard about crucifixion, they knew that the person would suffer immensely, including dislocation of the bones. Now, remember, now your bones have been dislocated, but you still need to breathe. Because if you don't breathe, you die. So to breathe, you needed to move yourself up and down in that great agony so that you would avoid suffocation. In fact, to speak on the cross, it meant that it took a lot of pain for him to utter any word. And just imagine Jesus struggling so much in such pain to say something, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. And so Jesus was immensely tormented by physical pain on the cross. In verse 14, it says, my heart is like wax. If you remember in John chapter 19, verse 34, when the soldiers came to Jesus, they saw that Jesus was dead, and one of the soldiers took a spear and pierced Jesus' side, causing blood and water to come out. My heart is like wax. Well, when Jesus hung on the cross, his oxygen levels would definitely go down because he was suffocating. When your oxygen levels go down, the tissues start to get damaged. As the tissues start to get damaged, your blood capillaries start to leak water, something like water, into the tissues. That fluid can build around your tissues. And in this case, we know that fluid 
build around that part of the heart we call the pericardium that surrounds the heart. And the more it builds, the more it constricts the heart. That alone can make the heart to crash. But there are other complications that arise when you are losing or your levels of oxygen are coming down. You can have a cardiac arrest. And if it is in, in severe cases, you can actually have what we call a cardiac rupture. So when Jesus says, when the text says, my heart is like wax, it melts, it gets broken, it is possible from the happenings of the cross. Let me conclude by saying this. Our Lord faced the torment of being deserted by God. He faced the torment of being despised by people. He faced the torment of drowning pain. That is why when Jesus was praying at the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if this is your will, please take this cup from me. Well, the cup was not taken from him. And God burned him and let people despise him and inflict him so that we might enjoy the salvation we enjoy today. Remember I told you there's a fourth question that I would ask. Here is the fourth question. Will God ever abandon people? And the answer is yes. God will abandon some people forever in the future. And who are those people? Those people who refuse to believe in the son who was abandoned so that we don't get abandoned. He will abandon them in the future. Those people who take the work of the cross for granted and continue to sin, those people will be abandoned by God in the future. If you have time, I will encourage you to listen or to read a sermon that was preached in 1741 by Jonathan Edwards. It is entitled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. What God will do to sinners who refuse to accept Jesus. If Jesus suffered this way because he was abandoned by God and just for six hours for example on the cross how much more those people who despise God Hebrews chapter 10 to conclude I will read 26 to 29 says dear friends that is me and you if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only one terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. For anyone who, received, who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. 
And then here is the challenge in verse 29. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy as if it were common and unholy and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy on us. And if you are out there listening to me and you have not given your life to the Lord, do you think God will pardon you if he did not pardon his only son on the cross? And if you are a believer out there and you have continued in sinning, that's what Hebrews says, that we are nailing the Son of God to the cross again. Would you reconsider your ways as we finish up right now? Let's pray together. Maybe you are out there. You are saying, Lord, you suffered for my sin. That God does not have to punish me. That God does not have to abandon me. And you want to give your life to the Lord this morning. I welcome you to pray this prayer after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I realize I am a sinner. And I see how much you suffered that I may be forgiven. Please, Lord, forgive my sin. Write my name in the book of life. From today, I commit to follow you and to honor you. In Jesus' name. And if you are there, you feel you're not walking right with God. You feel you are taking the Lord back to the cross. I want to pray with you too. Our Father and our God, we pray for everyone who is listening and watching at this point, who feels like they have deserted your ways. And they want to come back to you, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus that you would restore them back to you, to the glory and honor of your name. And so we thank you for your word and bless you that it would work in our lives and to continuously remind us of your sacrifice on the cross so that our lives belong to you because of what you did to us. And so help us to appreciate that, Lord. We thank you and bless you. Amen. If you've just prayed that prayer of giving your life to the Lord Jesus, please get in touch with us or get in touch with any Bible-believing church that would help you grow in the ways of the Lord. And now I would like to pray for us as we finish up the service. And the Lord will bless you and watch over you this week. If you may just stretch your hands 
towards uh, the, the, the television or just, just stretch your hands forth so that we can close this session in prayer. Our Lord, we thank you for the blessing of being in your presence. We bless you for the opportunity to offer our sacrifices to you. Thank you for the blessing of your word. And as we come to the end of this service, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will bless your people, that you would walk ahead of your people this week, that you would open doors that seem closed this week. This is a difficult week, Lord, especially in the five counties that have been locked. But God, we look up to you for your people. We ask that God, you would make a way for us, even where there seems to be no way. Bless us as we go out. Bless us as we come in. Bless us in the city and bless us in the fields. Bless our families. Bless our children. Bless our parents, oh God. And during this time of the pandemic, oh God, watch over your people. We thank you and we bless you. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. And God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Amen.